Well, I invite you, if you have a Bible, you want to open to our text uh, this morning, Hebrews chapter 11. It is in your uh, bulletin as well, of course. Uh, and I have the NIV. Um, I guess I'm a little old school if you have the ESV. That seems to be the new uh, Bible of choice, but uh, I'm still in the NIV. And that's in the bulletin, but I'll be reading here as well. <clears throat> I picked this sermon uh, and this text partly because you're a church plant. Uh, I know there's always struggles and questions. We're living by faith, walking by faith, and my wife and I worked with a couple of church plants. I really worked with more than that, but two specifically, and always a lot of challenges. And uh, so this is a time for us to think about what does it mean to live by faith? And so we'll get some lessons from uh, this text, Hebrews chapter 11. So let us hear this, the Word of God, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God." And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God." By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith, when they died, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. Let us pray together. Oh Lord, all of these lessons teaching us how to walk by faith. And here we are, 
Father, is looking to you to help us learn to walk by faith in you and truly entrust ourselves to you. So bless your word. Get this sinner out of the way and may you speak to our hearts, speak to us. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Sonia Bell lined up for the race. It was a high school track and field championship. Sonia was ready to run. She had run many times before. But she had a routine. You see, she had a coach on the sideline. And when the gun would go off for the race, the coach would yell, Go! And off she would go. When she came to the curves, the coach would yell, Curve! Curve! And when she came down the straightaway, the coach would yell, Straightaway! Curve! Curve! And down to the finish line, the coach would yell, Straightaway! And as she got near the finish line, the coach would yell, Kick it! Kick it! And kick it she would. She was fast. She was good. Sonia Bell was special because she was the first totally blind girl in 1997 to run in the South Carolina High School Track and Field Championship. She ran by faith. As a matter of fact, she went to the South Carolina School of the Deaf and Blind right here in Spartanburg. She, ran, she said, when she first wanted to run, she said, I couldn't really trust my coach. I thought I would run into a pole or stumble and fall, but in time, I grew to trust him. Running, literally running, by faith listening to the voice. The Christian life is a life of faith. And we need faith to persevere day in and day out, listening to the voice. There are a few lessons here about faith that I want us to see. And the first one is that faith begins with God. The writer says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. By faith we look at this. We look at the tangibles, this world, the universe, to understand something about the intangibles, that there is a God who is there. We are in an age, at least in America, of growing atheism. I mean, there's this new atheism. But we simply say, by faith, look! What more evidence do you need? Faith begins with God. In verse 6, the writer says that... Anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists. Faith begins with God. The tangibles 
we can hardly comprehend them. We study them with science, sociology, all of these. And yet the one who made the tangibles is beyond comprehension. So great. And our faith starts there. He is. We believe He exists. In verse 11, we are told that Abraham was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who made the promise. Abraham, you're going to have descendants beyond measure. It all starts with God. Okay, God. That's where faith starts. It begins with God. But we also find in the text that faith brings pleasure to God. Pleasure. When we have faith in God, He is pleased. And so we are told about Enoch. And Pastor Steve Brown says that God is hardly ever satisfied, but He is often pleased. We can't satisfy God. We can't satisfy His holy demands. We can't satisfy the law. We can't keep the Ten Commandments. We can't be perfect as our Heavenly Father's. We can't sa- the only one that can satisfy the Father is the Son, the Lord Jesus. But, nevertheless, we can please Him. We can't satisfy Him, but we can please Him. And faith brings pleasure to God. And look at Enoch. He talks about Enoch. You know, there's only a, a few, a, about three verses about Enoch in the Old Testament. And it's basically this from Genesis 5.22. When Enoch was 65, he had a son named Methuselah. We know him often, the oldest man that we know of. And then he lived 300 more years and had some other sons and daughters. And then we basically have, two verses later, his epitaph, what would be on his tombstone if he had one. Enoch walked with God, then he was no more, because God took him away. And that's it. Enoch. But the text tells us that he was commended as one who pleased God. It's, it's hard for me to imagine. I mean, I don't know if you have a personal, private, devotional life, but, you know, if we said, let me aim for 30 minutes today, we'd say, could I do it? And here's one who just walked with God for at least 300 years, if not his whole life, he got so close in his communion with God, knowing God, walking by faith with God, that finally God said, you don't even need to die. Just come on home. And he was no more. Where did Enoch go? He's gone. He communed with God. He had this sweet faith that pleased God so much, He just takes him home. I've got a quote that I keep. I have a couple of Bibles that I read regularly, and I've got a quote in both of them. It's a Martin Luther quote. And when I first read this, and Martin Luther has some great quotes, but this is one I read many years ago, and I've kept it in these Bibles. It says, When the soul firmly trusts God's promises... 
It regards him as truthful and faithful. Nothing more excellent than this can be ascribed to God. God, I'm going to trust you because I believe you tell the truth and you are faithful. And Luke says, we can ascribe nothing more excellent than this to God. That pleases God. God, I'm really going to believe you. I'm really going to trust you for whatever that thing might be that I'm shaky about. And God loves it. It pleases Him. Faith brings pleasure to God. Starts with God, brings pleasure to God. Faith as well includes this element, holy fear. Holy fear. Look at verse 7. By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear he built an ark. What motivates you to live for God? Well, we know the first, foremost, highest motivation should be love, right? Love and then maybe gratitude. It should all come, oh Lord, thank you, Lord, I love you. But, you know, there's a place for this concept, holy fear. Noah needed it. It, it impacted him. He listened not knowing what was going to happen, he listened to the voice of God and in holy fear he built an ark. A picture of salvation. A picture of the work of Christ. The cross. The place where we go because we have a holy fear of that coming day, that judgment, that judgment throne of hell. He listened to the voice of of God and in holy fear he started hammering away. When our uh, middle boy Hunter was about I think six or so he went out one day to play. We lived in Clearwater, Florida at the time and he went out to, to play and he was going to go down the street to see a friend of his and I just kind of went out the front door and watched him off because he wasn't going too far, but he was walking between our two cars, and he was just small enough that he couldn't see, you know, over the cars, and he was walking to the sidewalk, and I was watching him leave. I saw this little girl, probably 10 years old or so, furiously riding her bike like she was late to something, coming down the sidewalk, and I could tell, I could just tell, Hunter is going to step right out between those cars, and that bike is going to hit him right when he steps out there. And I'm standing there, and I just said, Hunter, Hunter, no. I said, Hunter, stop! And he stopped dead in his tracks. That is called holy fear. And I watched as the girl rode by, her handlebar just barely tipped his fingers. And he wasn't injured, but one more step. And who knows? Faith involves holy fear, listening to the voice of God. Noah couldn't see what was coming, but he heard and he responded. Faith as well 
is demonstrated by what I like to call adventuresome obedience. Adventuresome obedience. Now, y'all know a little bit about that in a church plant, in a church startup. It's a big adventure. And we look at Abraham. Faith involves adventuresome obedience, which is risk taking, trusting God. I don't know what's coming. And we're told by, by faith in verse 8, Abraham, uh, when called to a place, he would later receive his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. He didn't have a navigation device. God just said, go, I've got this land, this promised land, okay. It's probably 800 to 1,000 miles away. And he goes, because he, he believes that God is at work. And they get there, and the text tells us he lived in tents, as did Isaac. And Jacob, they all got the promises, and they all lived in tents. I mean, it doesn't, he gets there, he goes, but he never sets up shop, so to speak. He never makes it really his home. We're just in tents. Why? Because this really isn't our home. This really isn't our home. He realized that nothing is really permanent in this life. And that's what the tents symbolize. There's another home coming. Adventuresome obedience, risk-taking, giving when we don't think we can give, praying for what seems to be the impossible. And I could tell you many stories of seeing that, but years and years, sometimes people pray and then God answers Lord, I'm going out on a limb. I'm going to ask for this, for this person, for this thing to happen. And I've taken this risk, and we'll wait and see what God will do. Faith as well envisions the unseen. That's really all throughout the text. Verse 10, it tells us that Abraham could live in tents because he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. He was looking at heaven. He was looking at eternity. He was looking at a greater city than what is here. Verse 13, it says, uh, the people did not receive these things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. We believe it's there. There's an ultimate place, but it seems so distant. Verse 16, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one, looking forward. Faith envisions the unseen. It has a vision, but it can't see it clearly. It's faith. Abraham saw the promised land, but he never saw King David's throne or Solomon's temple filled with the glory of the presence 
of the Lord. Abraham saw Isaac briefly for a moment, Jacob, but he didn't see those 12 great-grandchildren, the 12 tribes. Abraham saw Rebekah, Isaac's wife, but he didn't see the millions who would exodus from Egypt, nor did he see you or me. But when God called, he went for it. He envisioned the unseen. As a boy growing up, I grew up in Greenville, your sister city here. I grew up in Greenville, and I had an uncle, kind of a famous uncle in the history of South Carolina, at least the recent history. Uh, he was a lawyer, but he was also a politician. He ran for office. Back in the 60s and 70s, he ran every time there was an opportunity to run. It was his way to um, actually... Um, uh, publicize his law business. The lawyers couldn't advertise back then. But uh, he, was a, he was a radical liberal Democrat uh, as well. But that's all beside the point. I grew up right next door to him, and he had this big rock house, but he, uh, in, in his front yard, he had all of this debris. Big wooden planks, stones and rock and we used to go right just next door and we'd play around all this stuff it was fun we could do forts and all kinds of things army and stuff and to, and to us we were like why he got all this junk in his front yard planks of wood big piles of rock big piles of rock we didn't realize you see that he had a vision for a big giant mansion made of stone. It's an eccentric mansion, by the way. But it's big. I couldn't tell you how many rooms and how many bathrooms. I mean, it just goes on and on. But you see, I, as a child, I wasn't thinking this is going to become something. I'm just playing with it. Ah, vision, the unseen, something glorious. Faith envisions the unseen. Abraham lived in tents, but he said, tents is not all there is. There's a heavenly country. Faith as well is a constant walk, a lifelong endeavor. A constant walk, a lifelong endeavor. Look at verse 13. All these people were, sti were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Verse 27, which is not in your text, but it says, By faith, speaking of Moses, he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. Faith is a constant walk, a constant journey, a lifelong endeavor. It involves persevering, looking forward, looking to that end time, that final day. All these people were still living by faith when they died, but they didn't receive the things promised. That is an incredible verse because we have the popular uh, theology today the health, wealth, and prosperity, believe and receive. Uh, Hebrews 11, Word of God, here's the text. They believed, but they didn't receive it. I mean, not now in the present. 
They did receive it eventually, right? They didn't receive it, but it says they were still living by faith until they died. Wow. I'm sure they wondered sometimes. Uh, what's going on here? Where, where, where's this story going? Not so sure. But they were still walking by faith when they died. Probably my favorite recent theologian is a man by the name of John Gerstner, the late John Gerstner. I don't know if you know that name. I don't know if you know the name R.C. Sproul, but he trained R.C. Sproul. So you can imagine this guy was brilliant. And I love Dr. Gerstner. He was absolutely brilliant, but a humble man, a godly man. And uh, every Sunday, he and his wife had a practice, and their practice was, of course, to go to church if he wasn't traveling and on the road. But in his home, they would go to their home church. Then they would come home, and it was just a routine. They would have like soup and sandwich for Sunday lunch, real simple. And then after they had their lunch, probably in their later years before they took their nap, but after they had their lunch, they would go into their bedroom, and they both would kneel at their bed, and then they would pray together. And one day they, they did all of this, and after they knelt at their bed, and while they were praying... John Gerstner passed away. I can't imagine it. He was petitioning the Lord here, and then suddenly he was there. And the text says all these people were still living by faith when they died. It is a constant walk, a lifelong endeavor. And our faith gets hammered, we know it. It gets hammered by the world and the questions and the doubts and our own sin. All these things come. Moses persevered because he saw that he who was invisible. And then lastly, faith involves a longing. And listen, I, I preached this sermon for me too. I mean, I picked it out. I said, I need, I need faith. I need my faith stronger, and I need it to grow. And I think sometimes this is, this, is the, this is the part of the sermon of the text that doesn't always reach us and doesn't always reach me because the text says in verse 15, if they had been thinking of the country they had left, if they had been thinking, oh, we left, that's pretty good, let's go back, they could have returned. But the text says, instead, they had a longing for a better country. And the word they're longing means to reach after something, to covet it, to be ambitious, to have this deep desire. We have a longing for the next country, the real country, the lasting country, a heavenly one, the text says. And my problem is, it's easy for me to long for this world. And for what I have here. And they just kind of blow that off as, ah, that's a nice thing, but do I really, really long for it? Am I captured by it? Do I desire it? Faith involves a longing. Maybe we have too much. I mean, we're in America, we have so much, we don't need to long. I've worked at the seminary. I've worked occasionally with African students. I used to do admissions. And many of the African students from their poor countries, they would do 
anything to come to seminary. Well, we're not always sure they want to come to seminary. They want to come to America. And some have as much as said, you all don't realize you live in heaven. It looks like heaven to them. If only we could look at heaven like they look at where we are, maybe we'd be more desperate. Maybe we'd fill out a few more applications. Let me in. No, we know it's all by faith. It's all through the cross. Faith involves a longing. And so we turn our attention to the table. This is where our longings are met in Christ. We turn our attention here because here we are reminded of those things, those intangibles, that invisible, that heavenly country, that work Christ has done. And our faith is strengthened.